What's going on everyone? Uh, this podcast episode is going to be a little bit different because rather than in this home studio setting, I'm going to do this over my phone. So let's do this. This episode is brought to you by Stay Stoic Clothing. Stay Stoic, my friends. And this message is brought to you also by Will Fernandez. Shout out Bill, 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 the goat, Bill. Anyways, uh, yeah, man, this episode is about cultural development. Cultural, culture, cultural development. I feel like I've grown in up in two worlds. Uh, three to be specific. Um... This song is about that, really. Well, it was more so navigating one of those worlds. Uh, Actually, two of those worlds. And by worlds, I mean, you know, in the American, the Western world. I've been to the white world and the black world. And it was a very interesting encounter because that's what that song was about. It was just noticing all the little quirks, the little instances in being East African in Chicago. So, me being the childish, the clown that I am, took it to the pen and started writing about every stereotype, every every little thing involving, um, you know, being, being Ethiopian American in a world that, you know, isn't really <laughs> too keen on it. Um, so it was kind of interesting because, you know, I am black, but I wasn't like the typical black. I wasn't like a Nigerian black. I wasn't like a, you know, all these little things. And I came off as a little interesting to him because I, I, my demeanor was different. The way I talked was different. The way I dressed was different. Um, the way I smelled was different. Shout out the, the, you know, cooking back home that follows you here all the way to school like a cologne all these little things um and just the 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 concept of you know beating your children uh like disciplining them all these things are which are considered i'm you know i'm calling cps on you but you know that's a culture thing so a little bit of that a little bit of everything you should guys check out the song Personally, I'm tired of the song. Uh, this is my, uh, if what Doja Cat's say-so is to her, this is what it is to me. I'm known as the diaspora guy. I can't deal with it because it just gets under my skin sometimes, pun intended. And, you know, it, like, really, uh, it was cool. It was really good. I needed it during that time. Not anymore. But, uh, yeah, I think it was part of the humor. The humors were really me on a lot of people's radars but uh one time for the culture right yeah so um you know even when i'm asked how has diaspora aged i even take it a step further and say how has my cultural development aged you know i recently became a citizen at the time of this and
I noticed a certain thing about me. When I juggle two cultures, typically, the East African and the American, I noticed there are certain things that I learned and unlearned on both sides of the coin. For instance, I'm going to be going back home soon to Ethiopia and my yellow card arrived. And I was a little thrown off by that because, you know, all my life I've told people I'm Ethiopian. But then when I looked at the card that grants me permission to visit my homeland, it referred to me as American. So a little bit of that is just stripping back the idea, these labels that are placed upon us because of just helping us map around the world we're in. Uh, I've noticed that you move differently. Like, for instance, if you... Correct me if I'm wrong, but this was back when I was in Ethiopia. You know, when I talk to someone, because we see Ethiopians so often, we say, are you like Orthodox or Pente? Are you like, you know, we classify each other's religions. Are you Muslim? Are you, what are you? And then we kind of, you know, put our guard up. But then, you know, it's hilarious. When we came to America, Abishas were so friendly. It was like... Oh, Habesha, you know? <laughs> so it was kind of a, a breath of fresh air to see, okay, man, we got to stick together, you know? So a little bit of that, like, pan-Africanistic thought uh, came because of just Bukali, being so far away from our homeland. And uh, I guess absence makes the heart grow fonder in this case. But, you know, we... On social media, we make fun of fob culture or just being a fob, being a, you know. But something really came to my mind. And my homie Brick is very, he dies on the opposite hill. And he asked, technically, aren't you a fob if you visit from America? By the definition of a fob, like, you know, someone who's not hip with the culture and everything. Like, aren't you a fob by that definition? Sure, they refer to us, you know, like, as the diaspora, based on how we talk, the type of Amharic, the way we pronounce and enunciate. But technically, he has a point. We are fobs by the raw definition of what a fob is classified when they step foot in America. So I noticed that, and this is my personal experience, I grew up a very detached, protected environment. Mainly because I came to the States really young. So I really got a good taste of both worlds. I haven't forgotten either. But there are certain things I forgot, which kind of upsets me now that I think about it. Um, I was talking to my mother and I told her how I kind of identify more with black instead of Habesha. And it's hilarious because I speak Amharic at home fluently and everything, but the plight, the struggle, the worldview that I'm in, that I'm constantly battling against, or the narratives that are placed upon me is from a Westerner's point of view. It's not necessarily from um, Ethiopia's point of view. Because, interestingly enough, my folks never told me what tribe I'm in, what ethnicity, what everything because they were trying to shield me from racism and ethnic cleansing and just the idea of looking at other people differently. 
Um, you know? And granted, I never really wanted to think that way, but I knew there was a word for that, you know, when people would slant their eyes to make fun of Asians, when they would do these impersonations, accents, all these things. I'm like, I don't think that's okay. Even as a young age, even if I didn't know the word, and that word was racism. When I found out what it was, was when I stepped foot in the States. Um, I always watched videos about baseball games. I've always wanted to go to a baseball game. And my auntie took me and my family to watch the Cubs. And it was so funny because the moment we stepped foot, there were these two old white ladies who were looking at us in disgust. Granted, my dad took most of the hits uh, because he sat next to him, you know? And they were repulsed that we sat next to him. In fact, there was actually a chair there was a one chair, a gap between us and them. And they said, how could they afford? That's the first thing they said. And those two old white ladies said, uh, let's go. And they left. And it really sucks because my dad was like, all right, let's get out of here. Because, you know, I guess we didn't have that talk. And my aunt was breaking it down for us. She was like, yeah, they were saying, how could they afford? Da, da, da. And I was like, yeah, what is that? And then I learned that word in, ra- in racism in school. So it was very eye-opening for me. So I, I kind of identified as black more than Ethiopian because I was being lumped into this category, but I never felt black, you know what I mean? Whatever that means. My black experience wasn't the typical. My black experience was an East African who migrated to the States with better hopes of opportunities and a better life and all these things. And at an attempt to do that, I went to like a really diverse school in the city. And then after a year or two there, it's like I was forced to transfer to the burbs. And it was like, the caucasity was insane here. <laughs> you know, like it was hella white. I don't know how to explain it, but I was learning the white world and the black world. It was, it was kind of hilarious now that I think back at it. Uh, and I didn't know what microaggressions were. Like looking back at all these subtle nuances. Not, not with the teachers. The teachers were, oh my God, amazing. But the kids there, you know? All these little things I was mapping around. And I'm learning on the fly. And you know, I used to take pride in the fact that, yo, oh my gosh, your English is really good. You know? And I used to be like, yeah, I, I watched a lot of TV. I, I'd, I'd be very playful in that world, you know? But it wasn't necessarily what they were saying. It's what they weren't, you know? So I took it. I looked at the glass half full instead of half empty. And, you know, it's just the good and the bads. I don't see it as one is better over the other, but it's just that was just my life. Uh, I don't see things as black and white no more. But... The little, like, my speech cadences, my my uh, pronunciation was starting to change because of my region. And it was funny. I think my sister caught me. Uh, I'll throw myself under the bus here and say how when, when, you know, when my, but our parents who had this, like, Habisha accent to how they talk, <laughs> to how they pronounce things. It was just hilarious because, 
you know, we'd clown on them. We'd say, you know, you better to listen to ta-ra-ra-ra. And we'd make fun of their, like, the way they, their tongue flurries and all these things. But it's hilarious because who are we? You know what I mean? Like, uh, I'll throw myself under the bus real quick. This is what I said. Hey, Ma. What's up? Meta. So, basically, it's just so funny because one time I was reading a, a, a survey for my sister to check a personality test. And then there was a there was a thing I said. I said, do you work in short bursts of energy? What's your approach or style? Now, I didn't say style. I said style. Like, I said style. Like, how black people say it. I just did, I, it, I caught myself. And then... <laughs> she already noticed that and then she was like style 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 <laughs> so it's kind of hilarious because i was like you know making fun of my folks for how they pronounce things but then here i am pronouncing something like funny and then i got caught for it so i can't even be upset at how people pronounce things i usually let people pronounce however they pronounce you know whether they're from America, from Ethiopia, from Eritrea, from Trinidad and Tobago, you know, however, wherever you come from. So it's just hilarious to me because it is, it is what it is, honestly, at the end of the day, because those are the little things that made me feel black. You know, and I won't even go into the details because as I was mapping around, you know, like, so I mapped around for like 12 years of my life. I mapped around the, the Ethiopian world, came here, started mapping around, you know, this, this, the black world. And then a year later, I started mapping around the white world and then <laughs> go back to high school and then... I'm starting to map around the black world again. And it was just like, it was weird because uh, I felt too white for the blacks and too black for the whites. So an Oreo is an understatement, man. Like it was like, because I never grew up with the stereotypes, the jokes they try to make, some of the jokes wouldn't land or they wouldn't hurt me. So it just went into like, oh, let's turn off the lights. Where's Yodi? You know, so like, all these little things, and then you come to Chicago, I mean, uh, high school, and then you just see all these little things, and, and it's like, it's like, what's safe? You know, uh, I'll I'll throw myself under the bus again, and I struggled, I'm not gonna lie, like, I wasn't good at hoops, uh, I was, I was, I had a love for music, but I didn't know how to showcase it in high school, because I wasn't very known, and all these things, and confidence, and all these things, I didn't really have drip, <laughs> back then matter of fact i had this canada hoodie man y'all go on on my instagram and see it but um i was uh roasted a lot you know and it was uh roast i know roasting is a big part of you know like that like just twitter like twitter was at its peak at that time and then um it was so funny bro it was so funny because um <laughs> what was it like okay so 
in Ethiopia, like, when you roast in Amharic, it's like, you say a specific object, and you know what that object means. Like, I can't translate it and do it justice. Like, the impact gets lost in translation, so I, it won't, the jokes won't land or hit different when I do it in English. But, like, roasting's a big part of, like, the way we, we joke and we play around and everything, right? But I forgot that, because I've mapped around three worlds consecutively, and it, it takes a toll on you, I guess, but... Now looking back at it, it's hilarious because I didn't know how to roast, joke around, be playful, be annoying and all that uh, when I came here because it's like uh, I was very shy. I was honestly thinking, to be honest, I was honestly thinking all those stereotypes of, you know, bullying, getting swirlies, getting a, you know, all these things are just like they're going to happen to you because you see them on TV and you expect it to happen. It's not really like that, you know, at least where I went, but um so it's like okay what else is it like then and mapping that high school world was uh different anyways so i say all this to say like um i never hung around uh like a lot of black kids in high school because like i just didn't i don't know why but going from a white school to a to a multi-ethnic, like, diverse, like, high school, it, like, messes you up. So you're like, uh, I'm gonna play it safe. And then I started to kind of say, hey, these, these guys aren't really... I mean, they're cool, <laughs> but they can't relate with me. Uh, they can't identify with me and all these things. And they just weren't, like, as cool or as nice as I thought. And I started to branch off. Now, the moment I started to branch off, I, be, I felt a little bit more free. started making friends from not just, like, blacks, but, like, from all, like, Mexicans, uh, Pakistanis, uh, like, Asians. You, like, it was just, like, practically the entire continent, bro. Like, it was very, like, all my friends became, like, an individual from every country almost. <laughs> so, it was really cool. Anyways, um, then one day... Like, in high school, like, end of, like, my, like near senior year, like, I was, like, flourishing. I was doing good. I was starting to be more confident. Granted, I, I had a lot to grow in, but made a lot of uh, strides, right? And then one day, uh, I dapped up this one dude who was in the football team, and I kept walking. And then this other kid goes, ooh, Yodi's cool with the blacks now. And a part of me died, you know? <laughs> Part of me died on the inside. I was like, wow, I figured it out. <laughs> it was at that moment my brain clicked. My brain clicked. And then I was like, huh. So, and then I, I thought back about that whole Oreo theory with like how I was perceived. Like, nobody was thinking what I was thinking, you know? I mean, granted, if you get roasted, they'll use that against you, you know? Because um, you, you kind of move funny if you're not as black as they'd see you. So, it's, it's all these little, like, subtle, like, unspoken rules. It was just so funny, like, breaking that down. But then I was in my digital media class, and then there was this one kid. I, like, posted Ethiopian food, I think, the night before because I was out for, like, a wedding or something. And then this kid goes, bro, your story, man. Man, Ethiopian food is so bomb, man. Da -da -da. And I was like, yeah, where, where? I think I got you, bro. Maybe I'll bring you some. He's like, yo, please, bro, please. Da, da, da. Even to this day, a lot of people say that to me. Shout out my barber. Anyways, uh, so I said, okay, 
yeah, 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 for sure. And then oh, a couple days or weeks later, that same kid started making jokes about the culture. And I said, all right, I'm upset. Went home, uh, pissed a lot of people off, and then wrote the song to Diaspora. So all this is a culmination to say that, like, like uh, these boxes, these labels we put on people, um, cultures that, like, like that tradition that presupposed that level of continuing a legacy of sorts of of that. And then, you know, um, I feel like I was even mapping out, like, that world. Like, I didn't know, like, I think one thing I had to realize was, like, can't nobody tell me I'm not black because uh, Christianity in the Bible is prevalent in my nation. Like Ethiopia has been written in the Bible like um like hundreds of times, bro. Like so so to say you're not black is so asinine. Like I don't even know where to begin. Like um it is somebody projecting a narrative that's trying to like suppress you really. Uh, I take that stuff so seriously. Like I'm not even playing right now. Um, and so I've, I've learned to like know myself inward and out, like, and the things around me that are guilty by association. So I look at like, what made me black? What da da da. So when, when people would say, bro, you're not even really black. It's like, then we might get into a real discussion. Like, let's break this down. Do you not, do you see me as an African American? Because I'm not, I'm Ethiopian American. There's a difference. But if I get pulled over. The cop ain't going to say, oh, you are Havisha. Okay, you can't you can go. Be safe next time, okay? Like, they're not going to do that. Let's be real. First thing they see is the skin complexion. Done. You know, he has his own biases. He doesn't care. Granted, all, they're like, there needs to be like a understanding of it. Black culture, sure. You might say I wasn't, quote unquote, black. But to you, like back in like when I was in private school, like when I moved to the burbs. And it's like, then we'd have to break that down step by step and say, okay, you can't say I'm not black because if being black is a complexion, I could be the most Uncle Ruckus type of nigga. <laughs> and I'm still getting shot if I misbehave in front of a policeman. So all these things, like, gotta have levels to it. There's levels to it. it. This isn't just like nothing. So, um, yeah, man, like, yeah, bro, it's just, I don't know, man. It's just so funny. It's hilarious, bro. Like, <laughs> so that was like my my side of the story. But then, you know, senior year, I was really doing a lot of like, uh, a lot of senseless police killings and police brutality was like being really brought to the forefront. And we was at our limit with it. So, you know, it's kind of like like looking at it, like it's like, it's kind of like history is unfolding in front of you and you know it's being made right now as you're living it. And, you know, with gun violence, all that stuff. I don't want to get political, but I say all this to say that with black people, like, I'm never, I'm, I never cease to be amazed at the ingenuity and the creativity that's, that comes out of them, you know? We're talking about a bunch of people who were sold into the slave trade 
by black people. And it's it's sad because um You know, we're talking about a bunch of people who were forced into boats in inhospitable conditions, who were stripped from their identity. These are people whose lives were taken from them, languages they don't know how to speak. I even heard a, a thing where the guy who wrote the melody for Amazing Grace, like that that song, is was a slave trade, I think. I think my dad told me a pirate to protect me a while ago. <laughs> but a uh, slave trade and the melody, you could play it on the black keys. And you you could play it on the black keys of the piano. And that shows like, you know, black people like it's it's kind of interesting, but anyways, the melody was actually inspiration from black people. A lot of folks don't know that. And the same with the way they run, the way they do their harmonies. Like, I'd even go, like, and we all know this. If you black, you know this, bro. Like, black people literally made almost every genre of music, bro. I'll die on that hill. Rock and roll. Blues. Rhythm and blues. Um, hip-hop. But like, I could keep going, bro. I could keep going, bro. The ingenuity. Jazz. Like, oh, my God. Jazz? Jazz, bro, disco, like, we could keep going. So it's like the level, the, the spark, the ingenuity, the, the fact that these people built their own culture, black culture, is built off of the muds that they were told to stay in, in the middle of slavery. Like, they built something out of practically nothing. Practically nothing. Think about that. Think about how resourceful black people are. Like, it amazes me. The way they used uh, turntables and, and vinyls in the disco era to start scratching on it and built the culture, the music that I am like blessed to be like a part of. Hip hop, it's amazing. The, you know, from the five elements like b boying, dancing, uh, uh, DJing, rapping, all these things. It's just like it's so cool. Like just to think about where it all stems from. You know, and a bunch of inner, inner city people did all this. And unfortunately, you know, if we want to bring race into this, let's not forget about how the white man like monetized off of that. So we, we, we can't say we have to fight and we have to be very protective over like, you know, black culture. We have to like die for that. I, I feel like we have to die for that. You know what I mean? I think, you know, that we've been taking advantage. And I say we because... We in this together, bro. Like, that's why the whole like culture vulture thing is so cancelable. <laughs> and I understand it. And, you know, it makes sense. But I think just like the culture, like, how could we progress it? How could we advance it? How could we do all these things? And I think that's why black culture is amazing. Like, this is like, this is historically shown. Like, this is so prevalent. So um, I think. My black experience is very interesting because I have been, you know, received the short end of the stick. I have faced racism. I have uh, been unwelcome in certain areas and I, I see it. 
I see it, but I think at an attempt to be nicer, you know, I can't really. My cousin had a poem. Shout out Yumima. She had a poem where she said, you know, my grandma didn't name me this way. So that you could, you know, chop up my name. I'm butchering it, sweetie. Sorry. I'm butchering it, sweetie. Sorry about that. Uh, if she's hearing this. So, you know, I think we bend over backward. We pronounce our names a certain way um, to make them feel good, you know. I saw a meme that said, niggas can pronounce XXXTentacion, but can't say, you know, Andamaskal Gabrahiwet or my boy Bush's name. <laughs> Bush, you know your name. You know, so all these things like, niggas can't say, niggas can't say my name, you know? And I tell people, if you're Abisha, how I've heard my name since I was grown, I've heard people, if you're not, you could say Yodel, you could say Yodi, you could say either or. But if you're, you know. It's just funny, you know, if people can say Daenerys, Daenerys Targaryen or whatever the freak her name is from <laughs> Game of Thrones. So, but they can't say, you know, so a foreign, an immigrant's name. So it's just, it's hilarious to me. And I don't think, I think foundationally, like these principles, these, uh, it's a bit of the black experience, but it's also the immigrants experience. So a lot of brown people I know, a lot of Desi people I know, like have hit me up and said, yo, like, oh my gosh, like, dude, I, I relate to this. Like the whole onion thing, <laughs> you know, like our house, our house smells a particular way. So da, da, da. And it, it's really cool. So, yeah, it's funny. I mean, even earlier when I tried to say sorry, like to like, Yamima, like see how like my accent kind of came out. Like that, it's so cool. It's so cool to me because I like talk as American as I possibly can in certain settings, and then I talk as habisha as as I possibly can. You know, so um, I think that was really the whole, you know, where I'm at after making that song. You know, and there's a whole lot, but uh, I I can appreciate what it was for that time. And I did it in a joking, playful manner. It was more so about the bars, the punchlines, the jokes, the really capturing all the stereotypes and poking at them, saying how fun it was. Um, but ultimately, you know, you know the whole deal. I was just trying to show something of if we can learn to laugh at our pain, play with it. That's a Charlie Chaplin quote. Play with it, grab it, play with it. Then we know how secure we are at something. And if you're not, then... Nigga, you got a lot of healing to do. <laughs> so, yeah, just it's. I mean, it ain't out of malice intent. It ain't out of nothing evil. Um, I just noticed it, and I think that's why we like a lot of comedians. The like, you know, who can take something and grab it, the pain, and play with it. I know Dave Chappelle's really good at that. Uh, but yeah, man, this was just this was just my black experience. Um, cultural development, man. That's really it. Ain't nothing too deep about it. But yeah, so it was really dope. It was really, really, really dope. Um, this is, I'm trying to make these shorter. I feel like I'm gonna try to beat around the bush, but yeah, uh, this is Diaspora. Uh, thank you all for joining um, the development podcast series, you know? Sorry, I'm a little, I missed uh, last month. I was just uh, doing the Golden Hour music video and 
um, you know, it sucks doing it all yourself, but, <laughs> but, and school, you know, gets in the way, but, um, I couldn't let this go, and I needed to get this thing done before I left for the motherland, so, yeah, yeah, man, uh, but yeah, thank you all for tuning in, uh, I really do this for, y'all, I don't really know who I do this for, honestly, <laughs> But I know I do it not for me. I know this is not for me. I just don't know who this is for. But uh, hopefully, you know, I could trailblaze and be a pioneer to talk about a different black experience. The, you know, the Abisha experience. You know. Because it's just funny. It's hilarious. How, you know. Abishas don't think they're black, but Abisha means black in Arabic, I think. <laughs> or... Yeah, a specific type of people. So, it just doesn't make sense. So, yeah. That was it. <laughs>